In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we read that we Christians have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This morning, I would like to consider with you one of these many spiritual blessings. And the blessing which I have in mind is the dominion or the rule of sin being broken in the Christian's life. Believers not only have their sins forgiven, they not only have been delivered from the penalty of sin, but sin's reign in them has also been broken. They have been delivered from the power of sin as well. Romans 6, verses 1 through 14 will be the text for our consideration this morning. Let's turn there now, read these verses, and then chart our course of study. Romans 6, verses 1 through 14. The Word of God. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your bodies to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments 
of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. What I want you to take with you from our study of this passage this morning is this. In the new birth, a radical alteration takes place in the Christian's relationship with sin. Again, in the new birth, a radical break with sin takes place. Here's our outline. Point one, we die to sin. Point two, we live to God. Point three, let us then offer the parts of our bodies to God. Let's pray and then continue on. Heavenly Father, this can be a difficult passage to understand, but it is a very, very important one. And so we ask for your grace in reference to this time now of going into this portion of your word for your glory. Oh, Heavenly Father, please, again, in your grace, come with blessing upon each one of us now and be honored through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. In the new birth, a radical break with sin takes place. Point one, we die to sin. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? When we were born again, we were made new creatures. We were given a new heart or we received a new nature and we started to live a new life. A wonderful aspect of this new life is we were freed from our enslavement to sin. We were no longer controlled by sin. Sin was no more our master. We had been separated from our natural love of sin. The Apostle John wrote more than the Gospel of John in the New Testament. He also wrote the book of Revelation and three letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. In 1 John 3, the Apostle John talks about being born of God. And he says that this is one of the results of being born of God. Verses 9 and 10 of 1 John 3. 
No one who is born of God will continue to sin, meaning make a practice of sinning because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, meaning he, he cannot consistently live in sin because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not practice what is right is not a child of God. The first aspect of our new life is we have been freed from our enslavement to sin. Romans 6 is our text. Here is Paul's exposition of this first truth. Paul says that the Christian is identified with Christ Jesus. He is identified with the Lord's death and burial. When Jesus died then and was buried, the Christian died and was buried with him. Through the Christian's union with Christ, what happened to Christ happened to the Christian. Because Christ not only died for sin, but also to sin, the Christian has also died to sin. Because Christ in his death is spoken of in the New Testament as also a death to sin, the Christian then has also undergone a death to sin. The Christian in his new birth then has experienced sin's domination as being broken. Sin's rule has been ended. Now listen, sin has not been completely destroyed. It is still present, but where it formerly reigned like a king, now it has been dethroned. Verses 3 and 4, and then verses 6 and 7 of Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verses 6 and 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Once more, in our new birth, we were united to Christ. 
and therefore united to him in his death, we then can be assured that united to a Christ who died once to sin, we also died once to sin. I think you understand Paul's approach, Paul's argument. But let me give you uh, a simple illustration to help you to take with you what we have just covered. Pat and I have been married uh, 48 years. When Pat and I were married in September of 1975, we were united to each other. A union took place. In many respects, what was true of me also then became true of Pat. When we were united, my bills became her bills too. My assets became her assets. In many respects, what was true of me also then became true of Pat. In our new birth, we were united to Christ and therefore united to him in his death. What was true of Christ is also true of us. We have a new relationship to sin. We are no longer under its kingship. J.C. Ryle has given us these words in his book, Holiness. He who supposes that Jesus Christ only lived and died and rose again in order to provide forgiveness of sins for his people has yet much to learn. Whether he knows it or not, he is dishonoring our Lord by making him only a half savior. The Lord Jesus has undertaken everything that his people's souls require, not only to deliver them from the guilt of their sins, but from the dominion of their sins as well. Not only to justify them, but also to sanctify them. Application. Application for the Christian. Do you realize what you have in Christ? Do you realize what you are in Christ? Sinclair Ferguson gives us this illustration. He says that Danny Kay uh, recorded a song years ago called The Ugly Duckling. And it told the story of a rather self-conscious little duckling mixing with the other birds and feeling very sorry for himself because of his feathers all stubby and brown. Then one day, the ugly duckling looked down and saw something marvelous. He no longer had brown, ugly feathers. 
but was arrayed in the splendid white feathers of a swan. And off he went shouting, I'm a swan, I'm a swan. Although he thought he was a duckling, he had never been a duckling, he had been a swan all the time. The real difference came when he saw what he really was. I continue on. The great mistake many of us believers make is to look only at our sin and failure. But our need is, first of all, to understand what God has done, to see that what he has made us through his son is a person who has died with Christ to sin's dominion and has been raised with Christ to newness of life. My friends, fellow believers, we are not ugly duckling Christians. We are rather children of God. What joy, what encouragement, what strength should be ours through this truth. In Christ, we are new creatures. We died to sin. Again, what joy and encouragement and strength should be ours through this truth. Let's go on. Point two, we live to God. Romans 6, verses 10 and 11. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the other side of the coin, the other aspect, if you will, of our new life. In our new birth, we also started living to God. We stopped centering our lives around ourselves and we centered them around him. We wanted to be and do what his will for us was. The glory of God became our goal, even our passion in life. We were separated from our natural love of sin and given a new love, a love of God. When I was in seminary, I worked in a Presbyterian church in St. Louis. My main responsibility was to work with the young people. In my youth group uh, was a teenage young lady by the name of Chris. Sometime after I had left St. Louis because of graduation, Chris wrote me a letter, and in it she said this, when I was a senior in high school, I came to the conclusion that Christianity was a farce, and I went my own way. When I went to college, I told God that I hated him and didn't want him in my life. 
I wasn't sorry for the things I had done, and I wanted to do them again. Now, that wasn't the main thrust of Chris's letter. Here it is. She wanted me to know that God had changed her, that she is now a follower of Christ. She wanted me to know that God now is at the center of her life, and she really seeks to reflect God in the way she lives. She wanted me to know that she now loves God. In our new birth, we also started living to God. We stopped centering our lives around ourselves, and we were given a love for God. Now, here's Paul's exposition of this truth in Romans chapter 6. When the Christian was made to identify with Christ, when he was united to him, it was to a Christ who died and rose that he was united. It was both into the death and resurrection of Jesus that the Christian became incorporated. Just as Christ's death then led Christ to a new resurrection life to God, the same is true of the Christian who has been united to him. The Christian now lives to God. The Christian now has a new resurrection life to God. The Christian now has the glory of God as his or her goal. Verses 3 through 5 and verse 8. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Now here we go. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Verse 8, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. In the Christian's union with Christ, the Christian is not only united to Christ in his death, he is also united to Christ in his resurrection. The two are actually inseparable. The Christian, therefore, can be assured of this, that united to a Christ who died once to sin, he is also united to the Christ who was raised and now lives forever to God in newness of life. My friends, does this appeal to you? Would you like to live to God in newness 
of life? Are you tired of living for yourself? Are you sick of living to yourself? Would you like to know God and center yourself around God? Would you like to have this new life? It is found in Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is found in Jesus Christ. And incredibly, Jesus Christ says to us this morning, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is being opened and a new life is being promised. Have you gone to the Lord Jesus? You're a believer in him? Then what we have just covered in our second point is also part of your life now. You have been raised to life to God. You live to God in newness of life. Let me just uh, take maybe another two minutes here to uh, help us to appreciate this idea of living to God. Living to God does not consist merely in talk about religion. Uh, does not consist merely in conversations about religion. Oh, if you unite to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll talk about religion. No. Uh, living to God does not consist in temporary religious feelings. You know, we're moved, we're touched at times by a sermon, by a testimony, by a hymn. Ben Franklin was often deeply moved by the preaching of George Whitfield, but never went to the Lord Jesus. It does not consist in outward formalism. Oh, I go to church three times a week. I pray before I eat. It does not consist in external devoutness. And it does not consist in the occasional performance of a good deed. Living to God, much better, much higher, much more glorious. Living to God, God has captured our heart and he has changed our heart and we love him. And living to God shows itself in respect and obedience to God's law, and it shows itself in a sincere endeavor to do Christ's will, and it shows itself in patterning oneself after God. A little better uh, understanding of what this idea of living to God is all about for those of us who are believers. We love God. 
We respect and obey his law. We want to be in God's will, and we want to pattern ourselves after the Lord God. One more point, and our third point today is a practical one. In the new birth, a radical break with sin takes place. Point three, let us then offer the parts of our bodies to God. Now, this point is found in verses 12 through 14 of Romans 6. I won't read those verses, but you may want to have them open before you to make sure that I'm on the right understanding here. Let me approach our final point uh, from two angles. A, in light of the fact that we are no longer slaves to sin, in light of the fact that we now have a real love of God, let us then determine that as best as we can, by God's grace, we will live for God. Let us then take advantage of our new condition and give over to God the members of our bodies to serve him as faithfully as possible. Before we were born again, we couldn't and we didn't serve God. We could only and did only serve sin. But now that we are new persons in Christ, now that we have been drastically changed, let us really live for God. Let us go on for God using all the members that he has given us for his glory. When I joined a golf club a number of years ago, I was told, this is yours. I had a question, I asked a question, and in response, I was told, you're a member we were standing outside, there was the golf course. I was told, you're a member, and this is yours. And I took advantage of it. Paul says to us, take advantage of your new condition. By the grace of God, live a life worthy of the Lord. By the grace of God, please him in every way. Determine to serve God. Here's the other angle, or B. Although it's true that we have died to sin and lived to God, those two things do not mean that sin has ceased to be an opposing force in our lives. That will not be the case until we arrive in heaven. We can look at the life of David and see that. A person who was saved, a person after God's own heart, but yet a person who would fall at times. 
Paul urges us to be on guard against this great danger of surrendering to evil. He says, in light of who we are, determine not to serve sin. Make sure that we offer the parts of our bodies to righteousness and not to wickedness. Since Jesus Christ has dethroned sin, since he has destroyed sin's lordship and he is now Lord, make sure that we offer ourselves and whatever pertains to us in loving service to God. And so my friends, I say to you now, do not give in to sin. Do not use the members of your body to sin. Rather say, take my life and let it be. Consecrate it, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Maybe you've choked over those words in the past. You don't need to if you're a believer. You are not an ugly duckling Christian. You are a person who has died to sin and you live to God and God is with you. So you can say, take my voice and let me sing always, only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Do not give in to sin. Yield yourself to God. And so I ask sincerely, will you do that? Believer, will you yield yourself to the Lord God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a tremendous truth we have covered today. May you work in our lives so that this tremendous truth tremendously goes on to glorify you and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.